Hi, I'm Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. And what you are about to hear is a segment called Playing With Problems. It was originally aired as the Playing With Problems Podcast and is now officially folded into the Dream Mason Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Success is a broad term that carries only arbitrary meaning. In Western cultures, we often attribute it to money, fame, and power. But money without joy, peace, love, spirituality, and health doesn't equate to a great life. Often, it equates to a miserable one. Hi, I'm Alex Terranova. As a business and life performance alchemist and coach who's coached hundreds of successful people, I have learned the secret to a great life is about creating a life you love the experience of living. It's not about how much money you make, how big your company is, How many abs you can count, the boat you own, the models you've slept with, or the trips you've taken. A great, successful life feels good. It's the result of choosing your purpose and living with commitment, integrity, love, play, and faith. Each week on Playing With Problems, I will sit down with one successful person. They might be successful in money, love, leadership, health, spirituality, or maybe they're thriving in various areas. And we'll explore who they are and what they've accomplished but every podcast does that. What makes this podcast unique is we'll also dive into and play with the current problem they're experiencing. See, there's this cultural myth that makes us believe that once people are successful, they don't have problems. We all have problems, and it takes a courageous person to share theirs. The show isn't about listening to a problem that's been solved. Our guests will bring a vulnerable issue they're currently challenged by And we'll work and play together to get clarity, answers, new perspectives, ideas, and maybe even a solution. I invite you to experience these conversations as if they are about you. If you listen and watch through yourself, your relationships, finances, fears, challenges, successes, and problems, these conversations could change your life. Welcome to Playing With Problems. Hi, welcome back to the Playing With Problems show. I am Alex Terranova. I am, every time I get to do one of these, I feel very grateful because as I say almost every time, it takes courage and bravery to come on this show. It takes courage and bravery to be vulnerable in public. It takes courage and bravery to not uh, just show up as our best and our all-star self and our highlight reel I recently had an experience where, uh, so I've been doing for a couple months now, I started training with a, a boxing trainer and I did it because I wanted to practice and learn something new that I had no real experience of that kind of sport. You know, I played other sports, but not like that kind of combat sport. And, and I think boxing is a lot like dance. There's a lot of movement and breathing. And, and, and as I've done this, it was really challenging, right? I had my, my brain had to make new, new synapse connections. I had to learn new, new ways of movement. I had to do lots of things at one time with my body and my breathing and my focus that I wasn't used to. And I noticed I was getting better and better, and better and better. And there'd be, you know, days where I wasn't as good. And then the other day, the trainer's recording me on a, on a speed bag and I was excited about it because I'd been getting so good. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I want to watch this. And it was like, I went 10 steps backwards and I looked at the video and was, you could see my face while I was recording it. I was frustrated and annoyed. And then I watched the video and it was even more of a bummer. And then I decided to post it online. Um, 
and I and I wrote something about how uh, it was actually really hard for me to share. It felt really vulnerable because I look like I don't know what I'm doing. I look frustrated. I look not very good at it, and that we don't do that very often. And I thought there's some gold in that. Often on our journey to somewhere or our journey in growth, it's a bunch of steps forward, and then there's moments where there's a bunch of steps back. And that day was a bunch of steps back. Like I couldn't get out of my own head. I just couldn't find my rhythm. And I think that that is part of the growth evolution. It's like the learning curve. It's the, the, um, the growing pains. And so I think one of the beautiful things about this podcast is we get to experience that live. We get to hear about successful people and we get to hear about the growing pains or the things that they're doing right now that they might be challenged by because we're all experiencing that to some degree. So let's jump in and talk to our guest. I want to tell you a, a little about him before you meet him. He has done a lot, is doing a lot. He is a CPA and a CFP. Uh, he is soon, a soon-to-be published author. He's an executive of a, he's an executive producer you know, in film development. He is a frequent guest and a podcast guest and speaker. He's a philanthropist. He is a nonprofit board member. He's an artist and a musician. He's an international traveler, and he's visited every continent and except Antarctica, which is pretty cool. Uh, and he owns real estate internationally and cur currently owning in Spain, and he resides in New York City. He's the owner of some dachshunds. And if you know me, you know that that hits home. Um, welcome to Playing With Problems. Michael Markowitz, how are you? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. I really appreciate it. And it's my honor to be here. I could have, I could have said a lot more. You have, you know, I love it. You, you often that people that come on this show have done and accomplished a lot of things and we could read <laughs> a very long bio. Um, but I think I hit the, the important stuff. I am curious, uh, C CPA author. And movies, how did like those things, you don't usually get those things all together. What's the, what is that? How did that connection come to be? Okay. Well, I, I was a CPA long before I was any of those other things. Okay. And I, I started my career more than four decades ago as a CPA. And it has been my, my way of, you know, supporting my life and you know, my, my dimes versus my dollars kind of, uh, um, scenario, but, you know, as I, as I got a little older and more mature, both in my, in my you know, body and my, but also in my career and in my life, I felt like I needed more than that. And I needed to expand more than that. A number of years ago, I, I, I worked for a, uh, what's called a business management firm here in New York city. Business management is mostly CPAs, but some not that work with people in the entertainment industry and the sports industry, managing all of their financial affairs. And one of the things that attracted me to it was my love for the arts. And I thought, well, this is really cool. I get to work with celebrities, but I'm not one, but it's really kind of neat to be involved with them and get invited to opening nights and all that kind of fun thing. And, um, so I, you know, in addition to that, I, I had been an artist before. I mean, I did a lot of painting and drawing. I was a musician. I played the guitar. I sang. I, I studied that when I was from high school days on. 
And I still do those things, not as much as I would like to because of time constraints. And and then I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, to be a co actually a co-author on a book that has not yet been released, probably be released in the first quarter of next year about entrepreneurship and leadership. And I was asked to write a chapter. So I've written the chapter and I've done that. I'm actually now a co-author in another book. So, uh, you know, doing one begets the next one. And then I had the opportunity to uh, become an executive producer on a film. And I thought, yes, this is what I really, I need to get to that level of, of, of being involved in the arts because I've already done, I've done a lot of investing in theater, live performances, both on Broadway, off Broadway in Vegas and, you know, in, and internationally in Australia and the UK. So, um, it was just an interest of mine. And I thought, well, you know, I'm never going to be that successful actor, if you will. Okay. I'm not going to be Hugh Jackman. I'm not going to be, <laughs> you know, DiCaprio. But I can still play a role and play a part in being involved in those industries. And this is the way that I do it. I love it. So what's the, would you say that it almost sounds like the, the road to success was kind of putting yourself out there, trying new things in this area, right? Like taking a shot at writing this chapter, you know, taking a shot at going into the entertainment industry. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I will tell you, it was not always successful. <laughs> so I've had a lot of failures in, in that regard. I mean, I invested in a film, a development of a film a while back with Keanu Reeves, and then I, I lost all my money. Okay. I invested in Broadway theater. I lost all my money. I haven't lost all my money on all of them, but I, I probably lost money on more of them than those that I've made money on. And so... Um, you know, someone, someone said to me, but you're doing it for the love of supporting the community mm -hmm. of the entertainment industry. And I said, yeah, up to a point, I can't keep throwing money <laughs> when I'm going to keep losing it. So now I'm far more selective about how, where, and, and when I, I do those, I make those kinds of investments and commitments so that I'm, I'm more strategic about it rather than being, uh, you know, Google-eyed, Google-eyed about Oh, well, now I'm, I'm an investor in that show or that film yeah. rather than saying, yeah, I'm, I am those things, but I'm looking for a return, you know? It's, yeah, it seems like it'd be such a, a, a great, like an ego, ego would love to write, Hey, I produced this movie with Keanu Reeves. Um, but ego doesn't want to talk about, it. I lost the money on the movie with Keanu Reeves. Uh, it also seems like it would be really easy to uh, get excited about these creative projects yes. um, and, and, how to, and separating the business side from the creative side, because right, a, a, a movie or a Broadway play or even a musician, the, the art that they, the art, the film, whatever could be great and it could still not make money. It could still be a losing financial venture. Well, that's absolutely true because I can tell you that those projects that I invested in that didn't make money or lost me money and lost money for the entire production, uh, some of them were amazing. We, the art in it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Like a, the first Broadway show I invested in was a show called Sideshow. And it's about 
freaks in a circus. And the, it's, it's a brilliant production. It is, the music is beautiful. It's brilliant. I loved it. But I can also understand now why it didn't work. It didn't work because one of the things that I discovered after that is that in order for a big production like that to work in, on Broadway, it's got to have it's got to have elements that attract tourists. We have a lot of visitors to New York that come and see a show, and they bring their families. They bring their kids. They're not going to bring their kids to see a show like that because it could it could scare them. You know, with the, the freakiness of some of the characters that are in the show. And so while artistically, it's a brilliant show, uh, from the business side, I knew why it didn't work. And it actually closed three weeks after opening. <laughs> when I thought, oh, gosh, that was my first uh, foray into this and I lost all that money, you know, but whatever, you know, it, it was a lesson learned. That's a great uh I'm glad that you said that piece about it was your first foray into it because a lot of times when we fail our first time out at something, a lot of us are unwilling to try again, right? It makes us feel bad. We're like, maybe we're not cut out for this. Maybe we, the, the emotional impact of the, the financial loss or the, even the emotional hit is too much. What had you, you know, so just like get back up on that horse and go try again versus it being like, you know what? I just lost a bunch of money. This isn't for me. Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I will tell you that it took me some time to make that decision. Okay. I, I I'm fortunate that I may be fortunate or unfortunate. <laughs> I don't know. I know a lot of Broadway producers that are always looking for other investors to participate in their productions, okay? So I get asked a lot, would you like to invest in this production or that production? And I also have been able to, uh, after a certain point, discern the particular characters of those producers and say, well, you know, here's somebody I trust, here's someone I trust a little less, here's somebody that I may not trust, and so on and so forth. And so... Um, I've been able to, over time, say, yeah, I'll, I'll invest with that person. I won't invest with that person. But even with that person that I will invest with, I have to look at what the production is and why it's attractive to me as an investment vehicle. Okay. So it did take me quite a bit of time after that first experience to say, yeah, I'm willing to get back on the horse and maybe try this again with something different. And what I tried. The next time was a touring company rather than a Broadway production. Is it come? It, 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 yeah. It, for those that may not be familiar, and oftentimes a Broadway production will then go on tour, and so it's a separate investment, a separate company that that invests in the tours that tour the United States and in some cases in other countries. And so the second investment I did was a touring company, which I made money on. Okay, and. It was, uh, it was uh, for those of you that have or may not have heard of it, it was a show called On Your Feet, which is the Gloria Stefan musical that was on Broadway, which on Broadway didn't make money, but the Tory company did because the capitalization is so much lower. So after I had that experience, I had some other experiences where I lost money, but, you know, I keep, I keep at it. I think I'm involved in investing in two different productions right now, and they're both not on Broadway. Okay, one one is an, a Vegas show, 
which is not even theater. It's just a live magical magic performance is Chris Angel. And that one is very lucrative. And then I recently invested in a touring company of Magic Mike Live, which originated in Miami. So, yeah, and those are two big, I mean, those are big names too, right? Magic Mike and Chris Angel are two pretty big, popular names. Um, that's cool. That's, that's, uh, I love that. I love the, like the looking at, hey, why it didn't work, making an adjustment and not just kind of quitting it all together. Yeah. Um, and then also knowing that, hey, it hasn't worked other times too. It's not like you failed once and then you, you know, had a new system and then you were just good to go. No, there's, there's on the journey, there's continual sp spots where you get tripped up, one might say. I, I, I think that that what you were just talking about, Alex, actually applies also to business ventures outside of entertainment. Okay. You know, we, we many people, you know, get caught up in the, the idea that, well, I tried it and I, I failed. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go get a job. All right. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think every entrepreneur and I am one, um, has had failure an experience of failure in their entrepreneurial endeavors and question of what, what are you going to do with that failure? Are you going to learn from it and move on and do something else? Or are you going to give up? And I think a lot of people, and I'm not faulting people for doing this, by the way, a lot of people give up. They say, oh, it was too costly. I just can't do this again. And others who say, well, yeah, it might've been costly. I can't do that again, but I can do it this way or do something different and start a new uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. Yeah, it's a great point. So the CPA has been successful. I mean, you do something for four decades, it's probably working. Uh, you've just shared some successes around uh, entertainment and investing. Um, what other ways do you feel like you've been successful personally, personally, professionally? I don't know. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, if, you, if someone were to ask me, uh, are you happy? I would say, yeah, I, mean, I really am. You know, I've, I, I'm a pretty happy guy, I'm a pretty happy person. I've been on this planet for quite a long time. And yeah, I haven't always been happy though. You know, I went through long periods of time where I was miserable and very unhappy and did a lot of therapy. And at times I felt like the therapy helped me at other times I felt like it didn't. And, um, you know, I had to, you know, I was always, you know, during that period of time, I was always looking for what is going to make me happy. And there was a combination of things that contributed to the unhappiness and combination of things that contributed to the happiness. And I was always looking for those things that I felt were going to make me happy. And they weren't always the things that were going to make me happy. You know, oftentimes people say, oh, you know, if I have all the money in the world, I'm going to be happy. That's not what makes happiness. You know, some of the most miserable people in the world are the richest people on the planet. Okay. Um, so it isn't always about money. It's about fulfillment and doing things that you love and obviously having the money to do them. And if they generate money, it's even better. But uh, just doing things that you love, you know, money, money, money to me has always been a means to an end. 
it hasn't been the end itself. Okay. And I'm not the richest person in the world by any stretch of the imagination, not the poorest person in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but I can go back in my life to when, you know, when I, I was growing up and I grew up with parents who were um, immigrant Holocaust survivors. And my dad was a factory worker. When I was growing up, we always had clean clothes, good food, and a roof over our head. And I thought that was it. That's all that any of us could ever hope for or want. And it's not a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing. But I also came to the conclusion as I got older and then I went off to college and grad school and so on and so forth that I want more than that. I don't want to be working in a factory. I wanted much more than that, not just for the money, but for the fulfillment, because I don't think factory work by itself is fulfilling for anybody that works in the factory. Uh, but, you know, so I needed, I needed to focus on what it was that I felt was going to fulfill me and make me happy. When I was younger, I also wanted to be a Broadway actor. And I came to the realization very quickly that I also didn't want to start to death because I live in New York. You have, you have any idea how many actors there are in New York that come here from everywhere hoping to make it on Broadway or in some other way, GB or film. And they're waiting tables and they're doing a lot of other things in order to support, you know, pay for their rent. And I just, I didn't want to find myself in that place. Sure. It's also, it's funny, even I recently was learning about how there's a lot of Broadway actors that are in, in performances that are ongoing, that are not making enough money to survive, right? It's not like being in a big Hollywood movie where you get some huge payday. Um, what I love too about what you just shared is sometimes we are, we find different ways to access our dream than we originally thought. One of my best friends and oldest friends, uh, always thought he'd be on ESPN as a baseball player. He was a great baseball player. We, you know, played in high school, played in college, an injury took him out and he ended up through kind of his own passion, becoming an artist and his art has been featured on ESPN multiple times. And he does art for professional sports teams and, and all these different situations. Um, and it was pretty funny to be like, wow, you know, he, you, in a way, right. You manifest the, the thing that you want, right. You wanted, maybe it was to be an actor, but really what you wanted was to be part of Broadway, part of this, this, this production. Um, and you found your way there, but just in a different way than you thought, like the journey of our lives often get us where we want to go, but it doesn't often get us where we want to go the way we thought we'd get there. There are no straight, no straight lines to get there. It's yeah. always, yes, you know, and we're, we're, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, you know, I've gotten to meet some amazing people in the performance communities here in New York, live and otherwise. And uh, it's been, it's been fun, gratifying, you know, and I, I've enjoyed it very much. So, You've had a good life. Like you've, you've improved from where you started. You're happy. You're married. I know you, you, you shared with me that you're married. Um, you have these dogs that you love. You have a business that's going well, investments. You're involved with things that you like. You have hobbies and things that you enjoy. Let's transition for uh, this next part and look at where are you facing? Where are you currently facing a challenge? Um, 
<laughs> so like in my business, in my CPA practice, uh, where I'm facing a challenge is that, you know, on the one hand, there's something really great that's happening in my business because I'm generating a lot of new clients and revenue that come along with it. On the other side is having the resources, the human resources that I need to handle all of that work, okay? Because I certainly can't handle it all by myself and I rely on really good people to do that for me. So that's that's a challenge for sure. And my, like, for example, my number one refinery assistant who I adore, been with me for 12 years, uh, is currently out on maternity leave and I find I am doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have to do, but I have to do it until she comes back. And she'll be back at the end of January. Thank God, because tax season starts again. <laughs> so that's certainly a challenge from that perspective. And um, other challenges are, uh, and I don't know if you are aware of this, Alex, but you know, we I'm married to my husband. I think I've told you about that. And we are planning on we're literally moving and relocating to Madrid by the end of 2023, early 24. We have already purchased an apartment in Madrid, what they call a flat, like they do in Britain. And um, I, I agonize over the logistics of actually making that move to another country. Mm. And so, um, because my husband and I are very different in terms of the way we handle things and the way I'm very methodical, if he's not in that regard. And it's not a criticism of him. It's just his brain works differently than mine does. And sure. so he said, well, I'm going to retire by the middle of the year, and then I can go and live in Spain for the rest of the year. Said, no, no, you've got to pack everything up that we're going to move over. <laughs> you've got a lot of things to do here before we can go there. there uh, I'm the one that, you know, contacts and has an, uh, an engagement agreement with a lawyer in Spain to make sure that all our, our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted to be able to get there and get our residency visa. I'm the one that takes care of all of those kinds of business and financial detail. So that's a challenge for me. Um, we've done a lot to make that happen. We have so much more to do. And I, I'm a list maker. So you know, I'm, we're actually going to Spain on the 21st of December for a couple of weeks. I made a list of all the things we need to do when we're there. There are business things that are not just having fun. You know, sure. we so many things to take care of in Spain when we're there for those two weeks. And I, I literally made a list because that's the only way that I can do it. Um, other challenges, like I, I'm in the process right now of working. I have two partners in the, the CPA practice that I'm in, you know, and negotiating a deal with them to be able to handle my clients from over there. And vice versa, you know, where they can do a lot of the work and making all the financial arrangements. And I have to tell you the biggest, biggest challenge, and I'm looking forward to that move. The biggest one is going to be, what's it going to be like living in another country? And even though Spain is a pretty Western-oriented country, which is, I'm in a Western-oriented country, we're a Western country. It's still a whole different culture. And, uh, you know, we have, I have like a whole bunch of family here. I have a lot of friends here. Mm -hmm. And it's about rebuilding all of that when we're there. Mm -hmm. We're there now too, but rebuilding our lives in a way. 
uh, from what we've known, what we're comfortable with to how do you do things over there? And while we have really good friends over there who are, will help us, but it's really up to us to make those determinations, mm. figure it out. Uh, so those are some of the challenges that I feel like I'm dealing with right now in my life and in my business and, um, and, and so forth. And so I, you know, there are probably others that I can't think of off the top of my head. No, right? those are, that's, that's, I think, you know, you just shared what I heard you say is in your business, you have a lot going on and you have the challenges of getting supported and finding good people, right? Whether, whether you're a, a you know, assistant or the woman that works with you, um, is out, you know, for maternity leave. I, we hear this a lot, right? People are trouble finding good people and the people in charge end up doing a lot more than they want to be doing. Right. And then, you know, one of the biggest stresses in life moving, right. And not only are you moving, but moving to another country where even though it's still a westernized country, it's a different language. It's on a different continent. It's you know, the laws are different, right? Everything is different. And, and it's not like you're, you know, 90 years old and you're just going to go sit on a, ch in a chair in another place for, you know, to end out your days. You're you have a, the rest of your life to live. You're moving a life. Um, it really resonates for me personally. I'm, I'm planning a wedding and right now and you know my business and a wedding and what i what i noticed was in common is like future tripping like thinking about all the things in the future and that are not like things for tomorrow there are things that are in the future that we get worry anxiety fear around that we bring into our present that are that are down the road which is like you know, what, what could we actually push off? I do the same thing. I have, Hey, what are all the things we need to do for the wedding? What are the, the, what's the list? What's the things we need to, we're doing a wedding in internationally. So what are all the things that we don't know? Who are the people? Right. And it can get, I think this, I say this cause I think a lot of, this is a very common, yeah. what you're dealing with is, is very, uh, will resonate for a lot of people. So if we were to do, if we were to support you with this, if we were to move this problem, this challenge, if we were to, to, to be able to support you going forward and the people listening, how, how do you think this conversation would end? What would you walk away with? I'm not quite sure I understand the question, but, um, and I'm just kind of like, well, I, let me, let me say it. Let me say it different. If we were to play with these challenges, the finding good people, the worrying about kind of the, the future move. If we were to play with this and manipulate it and you were to, to walk away from this podcast and go, wow, I like got something from that. What might you get that would be helpful to you? I think that I, I'll tell you what I would like. Sure. Yeah. What I would like is to have, and I can't really, I'm not in a position to afford this, but I, I would love a personal assistant who can take this off my hands. You know, <laughs> I really would. Um, it you know there because what I'm what I'm what I'm having you know some struggles with is juggling yeah. all these different things that I'm doing and prioritizing and and figuring out okay so what do I do today every single day what do I do what do I do a week from now what do I do a month from now what do I do six months from now yeah. to you know to further along you know, all of these things that I want to do and not feel stressed about it. Yeah. So 
Well, it, I'll give you I'll give you a simple example, a real simple, and it's something that is it's 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 current. So, um, we bought our place in Madrid a year ago, and because it was you know like in December of twenty one. The very little had to be done, but now this year, there's a lot of things that have to be done with respect to the annual real estate tax on the place and the annual this tax and that tax. By the way, the taxes there are like this, so I'm not too concerned, but there are deadlines just like there are here. I mean, literally, you're paying almost nothing for these taxes, but they have to be paid. And so I have a uh, an attorney in Spain who is handling a lot of this stuff for me. And he said, well, this one was due by November 30th. And I'm looking at my bank account in Spain and they never debited my account because over there, they do it differently than here. Where here we can, we can proactively make that payment. Over there, it's not proactive. They need your bank account and they automatically debit it. So I'm looking at my bank account every day. They haven't debited it yet. It was supposed to be debited on November 30th. And now here we are on December 8th. And I'm saying, so I sent him an email today and I said, his name is Antonio. I said, Antonio, I said, I'm a little concerned. They're supposed to be November 30th. It's December 8th. They haven't done this yet. Is everything in order? You know, so I'm the one that follows up on all these things. I would love somewhere else to do. You know, and uh, that that would make it easier. Um, I think we've got the dogs pretty much <laughs> settled. We got them Spanish passports last year. So they ha they can now travel without a health certificate because they have Spanish passports. And so that's good. But, you know, getting them settled over there and getting both of us settled over there. And uh, we, we have to negotiate when the time comes to get a container to take all the stuff that we're going to take or whatever furniture we're going to take and not that and all that. We have a friend in Spain who uh, also has stuff here. He's from the United States originally. And he wants to share a container with us because he's got stuff sitting at the port in New Jersey. And it's arranging things and taking care of all, it, all of these details that are in some ways mundane, but at the same time, they've got to happen. Yeah. What's the worry that comes up when you think about all these things? What's the fear of what, what could happen if like something goes wrong or it doesn't get done? It isn't that it isn't going to happen. Yeah. That, Fear that it isn't going to happen or it isn't going to happen in the way that I would like it to or in the time frame that I would like it to. I have that fear even in my business, even with my great assistant and assistants, plural. I have that fear all the time. It's like we have, you know, as a CPA, we have deadlines, mm -hmm. filing deadlines. We got to make sure. So I, I create a control list. Or actually, I have my assistant create a control list with deadlines. Did we meet? We have to meet it. Here's here's the here's what it needs to happen. Here's what we need from our clients, and so I have that fear constantly. So, for and, example, and you and you've not met it though before, right? Like in in your life, you've missed deadlines, right? You're missing one right now with the Nove with the November thirtieth. Well, that's over there in Spain. Yeah. Work, you know. And I'm saying, well, am I going to be penalized for me for for not meeting the November thirty deadline, which I gave? Then all of the information to be able to do sure. it well in advance. So yeah, I'm like, all right, so what's going to happen now? You know, that kind of thing. So how much, you know, you, you're, you, you're prepared, you're doing all the things, you have all the lists, you're all organized. And then there's still this work, the, there's still the worry and the energy. What's the impact of all the energy and all the worry 
Like, how does that impact you? How's that impacting your life, your business, your relationship? I get a little stress. <laughs> I do. I get a little stress. And I know that stress, I've gotten better as I've gotten older about how to manage stress through meditation and through, you know, talking with friends and whatnot to manage stress a little bit better. I'm actually done pretty good at it, but I still get stressed about things like that. So for example, this morning when I went online, and I checked my bank account in Spain and I said, it still hadn't happened. I said, now I got to send an email to yeah. this lawyer friend of mine in, in Spain to say, so are we okay? When is this going to happen? It hasn't hit my account yet, that kind of thing. So I get stressed about stuff. Yeah. And have you, you know, I don't know your whole, your whole life story. You've, you've shared some of it, but as a, as an adult or for most of your life, has even when something's gotten missed or not figured out, have you ever ultimately not be able to been able to figure it out or like bounce back from the consequence of it? I have at times not been able to meet a deadline. And and but but when you've not met the deadline, was whatever the consequence was, yes. was it was it so, you know, terrible or horrible that you weren't able to come back from it? Well, literally I I've been able to come back. And I'll give you like a hypothetical example, because it has happened to me where, for example, a client of mine in, the, in my CPA practice gets a notice for a penalty because something was either paid or filed late. And I look at it and I say to my client, look, if this was my fault, I will own it and I'll, I'll pay the penalty for you. Okay. So that's how I bounce back from it. I always have this little, little bit of worry that, well, if that happened, maybe the client was going to leave me because that happened. Because of course it's my job to make sure it doesn't happen, but we're all human. Sometimes we make a mistake. I, I clearly, I know that I have. And, um, so the consequence of that is the money I had to shell out to pay for the penalty. Okay. The other consequence of that is feeling a little guilty and then what do I do from there? I just say, well, at this point, there is nothing that I can do to change what happened. So hopefully the client will be understanding and realize that I'm just a human being too. And we all, we all as human beings, we make mistakes and that we'll move forward from there. And for the most part, that has uh, played out really nicely for me, but there have been maybe one or two situations where it didn't. But so the, or I should say not, but, but so the track record has shown that regardless of how it goes, you've been able to, you've been okay. You've bounced back, you figured it out. And none of these things have metaphorically like sunk your, you know, it's none of these things have been the Titanic. You haven't had your whole ship sink and, uh, and your whole life go to, you know, in the gutter because of a, a deadline missed or a detail missed. No, I'll tell you, the only time that I felt like I had really gotten punched in the head and fallen down yeah. was many years ago when I got fired from a job. And what, and what, and ultimately you now have everything you have. If, if you had stayed in that job, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't probably be having this conversation. And this conversation, but I literally was unemployed for 10 months. Yeah. Well, it was yeah, there. Yeah. And I don't feel like it was a, a just decision to get to, for me to be fired, but it, I was fired. And I'll tell you, you know, being fired from a position is one of the hardest things to experience, but there's another converse of that being a boss and firing somebody. Mm -hmm. 
is all has it to me is equally as difficult because I having had the experience of being fired, I know what that can mean to someone who I fire. Yeah, yeah, I, like it really hurts. I hate that feeling. I hate it. Yeah. Well, it it's it's another great you know I get that I hear that the, that ten months was really painful and really difficult and without that part of your journey, you wouldn't, where you are now in this, having built this business, investing in the things you're investing, was all actually made possible because of that. That, that, that was a domino that fell down that led you to where you are now. So it does come back again to even our biggest worries being fired from a job. For you, right? I'm not saying everyone has to look at this for themselves, right? Some people have not bounced back from things and we would be having a different conversation. But for you, you've been able to recover, bounce back, figure everything out. And so I wonder all the energies that, that you might spend on worrying, if you were to use that to reassure yourself of, wait a minute, hey, if the deadline gets missed or something doesn't get done, I actually, I actually got this. Like I, I have this figured out. I'm reliable. I'm resourceful. I'm resilient. What could I like? If I had all that energy instead of being, you know, worried and 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 uh, anxious, what could I put that energy into in the present that might support me in the things that I want or that I'm working on now? Yeah, that's all very, very um, deep, great stuff that you just talked about, and I, you know, it brings to mind my mom, who I'm very much like. Or have been, you know, my mom just passed away earlier this year, but mm, uh, I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm not looking, I'm not saying that for sympathy. No, but that's, um, mom's passing away is a, is a big deal. A big deal. And I, I always knew my mom and I, um, were very, very much alike. I, you know, in terms of personality and so on and so forth, I'm very much like her. I also look like her. <laughs> and so I'm definitely my mother's son. And. You know, I, I alluded earlier to the fact that both my parents were Holocaust survivors and my mother, uh, having been a Holocaust survivor, I always admired her resilience. My mother came back from so much tragedy, yeah. awful things, and rebuilt her life in this country and um, had two children, raised a family, but she was also that, that rock that... I had that I could always look back to and say, that's my rock. That's my support. I'm like her because I'm resilient too. So no matter how many times she might've gotten knocked down and to use the boxing alliteration that you alluded to either, Alex, she got knocked down a lot. And I mean, far more than I ever did in my life. And she got up and she kept going and she kept doing it. And I, I learned a lot from that, not because I consciously decided to do that, but because I looked at my mother and I said, well, she can do so can I. Mm -hmm. And because I've gotten knocked down plenty in my life. Mm -hmm. um, getting knocked down, I think, is an inevitability that every single human being should look at and say, all right, I got knocked down. What am I going to learn from this? So, you know, you make a mistake once. Hopefully you don't make the same mistake again, you know, make the same mistake twice. Well, then you have a problem, you know, where there was some, some saying about that, but I forgot what it is, but you'd get the gist of it. And, uh, 
I just think that, you know, um, you know, I looked at my mom and I, or every time I got knocked down, I looked at her and I would say, God, my mom got knocked down so much more than I did so many different times. Mm. And she got back up and she kept going and she kept doing it. She lived to 90, 95 years old. Wow. And, you know, and I, 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 again, I, I don't even want to begin to compare myself to her in terms of those knockdown experiences because there was no one. But I can tell you this, and I can tell all the listeners this, that getting knocked down is not the end of the road and it's not a failure. It is a failure, but it's not the end of the road because once you fail at something, either you get back up or you remain in failure. Yeah. I, I And I never wanted to do that. It's like when you were talking earlier with me about, you know, my investments in, uh, in live performances and in theater, and if the first one failed, um, do you just give up and never do it again? Or do you, you know, look at why it failed and figure out what you're not going to repeat? You know, and so that's that's how I approach that whole concept of getting knocked down and failure. Uh, because I think if we don't fail, we don't learn anything. Mm. So if we were to take this approach that like the lesson you learned from your mom yeah. and what she taught you about life and what she taught you about you and about resilience, and you were to just simply know, and just in this moment, hey, it's all going to get figured out about Spain. It's going to get figured out. One way or another, we're going to get it figured out. We're also just not the people that don't get things figured out. Right. Right. That's not who you are. So if I, if I know that, Hey, I'm going to get it figured out. If I know that even in my business here, right, the overwhelm, the things you got going on, it's going to get figured out. And, and I, and I could put down and I could just be in that. Can you be in that space for one minute? Like, Hey, I know I'm going to get it figured out. And from here, like what action or what might you practice in the now, in the like today, the, this week, that could simply support where you currently are versus the focusing on all the things that may or may not go wrong in the future. Well, I think you just hit all of these salient points because being in the here and now and realizing that I can't solve everything today that needs to be solved. I'm looking at this and saying, all right, so today I'm not going to worry about that. Today I'm not going to focus on that. Today, I'm going to focus on the things that I can do and, um, and know that those other things don't go away, but I'm focusing on the things that I can do and I can make an, an impact on them or I can change. So those things that I can't, let's put, I put it away for, from, for the moment and for the, and maybe even for the day, maybe even for the week. Yeah. And I meditate on it. Because I meditate as well. And I think meditation helps me a great deal with the, having the ability to put those things aside. And I know, knowing that if I can't resolve it today, it's not the end of the world. It's going to, it'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there next week. It's, it's really funny that even that idea, I noticed that, you know, I make, I make lists like you shared also. And I, but I do them on very, I do them on like post-its so they can only get to be so big. So I actually have to decide what gets to go on or like what doesn't. And something that I notice is, you know, sometimes I'll, sometimes they'll stack up. I won't throw them away. They'll, you know, it's like, I'm not paying attention to them, but I'll, I'll find ones that are old. 
and I'll see all these things that didn't get done. Yeah. And I'll realize nothing actually happened because they didn't get done. And it's one of my favorite reminders that we think in the present moment, oh my God, I have all these things, right? And, and there are things that there are big consequences, right? You don't pay your taxes on time. There's, there's consequences, right? There's penalties and, and you could actually go to jail. But on the list of all the things that we put, some of them we know are very important. Some of them are more medium and some of them are lower, but we think they all need to get done or we want them all to get done. And if we look back over time, many of them get done and many of them don't. Right. And it's amazing that the ones that don't often didn't come with a consequence that actually there's probably something, right? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a cause and effect to everything. Cool. But the, the level of, of importance or stress that we had on it in the moment never came to fruition. Um, so I just, I wanted to point that out because you were like, well, it'll be here tomorrow. And what I often like to think of is maybe, and maybe tomorrow, it, it, the, the thing that was existing today doesn't actually exist. It might exist, but it's not important. Or it's not as important. Yeah. Um, you I, said, I, go I, ahead, what you say? I was just going to say yeah. something. I agree with everything you said when you were talking also about making your list into putting it on post it notes. I, I have the, you know, like most people have them, whether you're on PC or Mac, you can use this there's software called Sticky Notes. Sure. It shows up on my desktop. So yeah. I put all of my stuff on Sticky Notes on my desktop. So but then I turn my computer on in the morning. There they are. They're thing. Yep. There they are. They're not going away. Or they're, but, but like you said, Alex, I think sometimes they've been on there so long that they don't matter anymore and they go away. And yeah. Yeah. That happened to me too. And, but it's still good from my perspective to see it. Sometimes. Yeah. So I knew I had to do that, but I, I didn't do it. And now it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Well, so here's something I've, I've played with myself and some of my clients have, have had great success with this is often we, we, when we're list people, our lists never end, right? We create lists. They never end. As soon as you check something off the list, there's five more things to put on. It's like, you're always playing catch up, right? It's ultimately a game where you're like always the loser of, you feel good for a moment. Um, a game, a thing that I've done with people. And again, that I do myself is make is is i'll ask them to try to make a new list every day or a list the night before for the next day so take the list that you had and like usually i throw out my post-it notes and then i start fresh like at the end of my what are we on today we're recording this on a thursday at the end of my thursday work day i'll go what are the most important things i need to do tomorrow and i'll write them down and then when I show up to tomorrow, it's it's a pretty clean, fresh slate, right? I'm not carrying the things from weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, something that didn't get done might be on there because it might actually be important, right? If there's a deadline, it's tomorrow. But what I notice is when I used to just have the list that was compounding, yeah, the stress levels kept building because the things kept carrying over and the list just kept getting longer and longer and longer and longer. Instead of going, hey, I'm going to actually start from a fresh, I'm going to treat my life as every day is a, a clean slate. And I'm going to go, what's important today? And then see what shows up as very important today. And usually what's important today is actually important today versus, you know what? I don't need to go pick those things up. They can sit at the dry cleaners. It's not important, right? That email is not important to respond to or, um, you know, maybe I'll figure that 
that thing out another day, whatever that thing is. Um, would that, is that a, do you find yourself like creating those, like at those lists that like never go away? And when you see all the things, it's more stressful than if you were to like start fresh every day. Well, I will tell you what I do. Sure. I look at my list and if I can, you know, another way that I do things, uh, in terms of reminders is like, especially for work and, and personally, I look at my emails and if I read something and I say, that's something I got to deal with, I'll save it as I'm ready mm -hmm. because I know that I still need to deal with it. Okay. That's a nice, that, so I have two different kinds of lists. Good. I have the posted notes, the sticky notes on my computer, and then I have my unread email list. So I have my unread work email and I have my unread personal email. So my Gmail account and my work email account. And I look at them and of course, like you were saying, Alex, it ne it's never ending because new things come up regularly. And so unless if you deal with something or don't deal with something, at some point you've got to kind of like take the, the stuff that's at the bottom and either say, I did it or I didn't do it, but I don't need to do it because it's not going to matter because it, the list doesn't get shorter because new things come up and it doesn't, yeah. it shouldn't get longer by old stuff. And, um, but it, but it, but every, but every day, it's like one of those things that you need to keep up with. You know, one of the things I've also found is when I travel, uh, that I don't keep up with it quite as much as when I'm around here because I'm traveling and I still do keep up with it to some degree, but like, I, I like to clean out my junk box and I like to clean out my deleted items because otherwise I come back and I'll look at it and I say, I got 20,000 of these emails, you know, and have I gone through them all? I have no idea. You know, so I do try to keep up with it at least like even when I'm traveling, like maybe every three or four days to just make sure that I haven't missed anything or that, you know, I can get rid of stuff. Yeah. And so, and it's, and when, but and when you are traveling, the things that seem so important on the day to day, it, there's that natural, like they're not as important or we're able to put it down. So well, from, from this come, like, what have you gotten or what are you getting from the conversation we've had this second part of the conversation? Have you noticed anything? Have you had any new awarenesses? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, look, I, I have to, you know, what I got from it is this, that I have to recognize, you know, and I do, I, I work diligently at this, but you've also helped me focus on it as well is recognizing what the stressors are, why they are stressors, making the list, deleting the list, you know, putting stuff on the list, taking stuff on off the list and not letting it consume my energy uh, from the stress perspective, because if we let that happen, it, it really will sap us of even our good energy, uh, to do, to move forward and do something more, uh, you know, more important and more potentially lucrative for ourselves so that we're not bogged down by all this other stuff that, um, that, you know, it's been on there for a week or two and hasn't gotten done. Do I really need to do this? It's like about prioritization and, and, uh, yeah. So it's been really great for me to be able to talk about it because I, 
unless I'm talking about it, like I am with you right now, yeah. I don't think about it. Yeah. But then I look at a list and the list is stressing me out and the list is stressing me out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, that's, it's been really helpful and I, I appreciate that. So thank you for uh, helping me with you know, to verbalize that and to consciously think about that. Yeah. I, I want to, you just made me think of something too. You, you said earlier in the conversation, you know, support, like personal assistance support. And I don't know, do you ever, have you ever had the experience where the more support you have, you either don't have things for them to do, or you can always find more. Yeah. I, I noticed like it often can go either way. Sometimes we're like, oh, I have all this support and I don't know how to, I don't know what to ask them to do. Or... I can just keep creating more things, right? If I have, I know for me, if I have two assistants, mm -hmm. I can I also, all of a sudden I'll be like, oh my God, I can do way more stuff because I can like give more to them. But when I got them, I didn't, I, that wasn't the goal. The goal was to actually take stuff off my plate, not take stuff off my plate and pile on more. And so I'm curious with, with your assistant out and you having less support, are there things that maybe you could go, you know what, maybe this doesn't need to get done or maybe there's a different way it could get done while I'm in this transition? Absolutely. And I will tell you how I handled that. I have been handling that. And I, before she went out on maternity life, she, she, she and I sat down and went through all of the various different things that she does to me. And... And she, she's great. I mean, she's amazing. She actually helped me prioritize. And she said, well, these things that normally I do on a regular basis, whether it be monthly or weekly or daily, um, can wait because there's no urgency for them until I get back. And I said, yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with you on that a hundred percent. She's been great with me while she's been out because if I have a question, I can email her and she gets back to me or I text her and, and she gets back to me, even though she's home with two young kids right now. But, uh, but she's phenomenal that way. But, you know, so we have, uh, we have actually uh, done a good job, the two of us together. We work, we, we, we work in sync and it works really, really well. And so she was the one that took the initiative to say to me, Michael, these things are not a priority. You don't need to do nice. this. Nobody needs, these are the things you will have to handle on your own without me here, but these things you don't. So that it gave me this huge sense of relief. So even though, you know, stuff gets, uh, I get bombarded with stuff that I know she's going to need to do. I'll literally just take that stuff and email it to her, knowing that she's not going to do it right now and she'll do it when she gets back. I don't know how many of those emails there are at this point. I have not a clue. On, 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 on the personal side, um, you know, I'm, I talked about, and I think you alluded to as well, you know, if I, if I were to have a personal assistant, I probably would not have that much for that person to do on a regular basis. So it wouldn't be, uh, a personal assistant who is with me full time, but rather on an ad hoc or had me as needed basis to, to handle things. Um, I haven't really looked at that very closely yet in terms of how I can do that and whether it's a real person or a virtual assistant, you know, there are different ways to handle that. But, um, yeah, 
that that that's where I'm at with that. So I still take on a lot of the personal stuff. Oh. I love the um, you bouncing. Well, you're lucky that you have someone who's so dedicated to you that while they're on maternity leave, they're still willing to be supportive and helpful. Um, and that you've created that relationship with them that they're not like, you know, get off my back, leave me alone. <laughs> um, uh, and also, I love the idea that someone else is, is your mirror to say that's not that important because often we're blinded by our own, right? We have like our horse blinders on. We just see a list and we're like, gotta go. And I had the same situation recently where I was on the phone with my mentor and and he could tell I was stressed out. And he was like, what's, so what are you stressed out about? And I just, I just poured the list out, right? I just dumped it all out in front of him. And he went, but, you know, to, I'm simplifying the story, but he's like, you know, about 90% of that stuff you just told me is all future stuff. None of it's important right now, yeah. right? It's not that it's not important. It's not important right now. And you'll, and, and if it's still important in the future, you'll get there. Yeah. But there's nothing you need to do right now for that. Right. It's not like there's an actual hard deadline that you need to do something. And hearing him say that to me, especially someone I trust, right. Someone I, I, I trust uh, and I respect. It was like weights came off my shoulders because I was like, oh man, I, I actually just need to focus on the 10% that's in the right now. Um, so there, and, and, and now since I had that experience with him, now I started bringing things to, to Evan, my fiance, I'll start sharing, oh, I'm worried about this, this, and this. And she'll go, babe, it's just the one, that one thing. And I'm like, oh, all right, that's what I'm going to work on. Right. So thank you for sharing that. And I would throw it back to you as like, Hey, can you play with that? Can you, use more people in your life who you trust and respect that will be honest with you to share. Oh, I feel like I have all these things and let them, you know, see the, the, you know, see what's really there that actually is important and needs to get done. And maybe even with you, with your husband, right. You said you, I think it's great when people have two different mindsets because he's probably not worried about the things you're worried about. Right. And, and there, and he knows there's things that are important, right? He just doesn't deal with them, but he, you're the one that deals with them. But he knows if you say, Hey, we got to have the taxes paid. He knows that's an important thing, but he also might know that, Hey, you know, those five other things you're stressed out about, we'll figure it out. They're not that, they're not that important. He, he is of that mindset of we'll figure it out. Yeah. And then he doesn't deal with it. I'm of the mindset. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Let's figure it out. No, <laughs> but but he's he's still here and right it's like you figure it out for him (laughs) exactly exactly and then i well i figured it out this is what we need to do we'll say okay (laughs) but um no but i i I love the fact that you have a mentor that helps you to see that um i too have a really incredible incredible mentor slash coach who uh, i can I can run any of this kind of stuff by him. And I think you may even know him. He's just, but anyway, we'll talk about that, that offline. But um, so, yeah, so it's really been extremely helpful to have that, what I call a third party uh, observer, if you will, mentor, coach, third party who is not emotionally invested in the things that I'm emotionally invested in. Yeah. yeah. 
So as we, as we kind of wrap up, um, I really hear like leaning on your third party observers, right? Whether they're your assistant or your partner or your mentor, um, I hear recognizing, um, what the stressors are and not like, like not letting those things take over, but really putting that energy in what you can do today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and the biggest thing for me is the reminder, which I know for me, this is huge, but I really saw it for you. And, and I would really encourage you to take this on and for people listening that, that can see this is look at the story of your life. The story of your life is, is resilience, creativity, and the ability to, to have your life work. Your life really works, whether it hasn't, and even all the way back to your parents, right? Your parents went through one of, one of the you know, worst things that someone could ever go through. And you described them having this resilient life that they came back from and that they, it sounds like they had a pretty good life, you know, and to be able to come back from that, to come here to come back from something like the Holocaust or, and, and right. And, and people have all different terrible experiences. If, if that, when I, when I say, look at the story of your life, if your life, that's what you're the evidence of your life shows you when things are tough, you can lean into the, the evidence you have from the past. Sometimes I think we look at the past and we use it against ourselves, but then a lot of us have evidence from the past that actually can, we can use to really support ourselves, to really show ourselves who we are, that when things got tough, oh, we did come back. We were resilient. We didn't give up. You know, there might've been a low period, but we always came back out of it. You're absolutely right, Alex. I think that, uh, you know, I know enough people who are children of the depression area, era, I'm sorry, era, that people who are children of the Holocaust and people who are children of some other major, you know, not either natural or unnatural disaster that their, they or their ancestors or somebody experienced. And they oftentimes, and I'm, I, I shouldn't say oftentimes, I would say there are times when people wallow in that and they say, well, I'm like this because of that. And, you know, it's interesting to me to, um, to see, you know, I grew up with a lot of, uh, children of Holocaust survivors because those people kind of gravitate toward, gravitated towards one another that adopted that mindset of, you know, I'm like this because of what my parents went through. I adopted very early on a very different kind of mindset where I thought, well, that was their experience, but it wasn't mine. As much as I would like to support them in that, and I did and always did support them in that, it wasn't my experience. Now, I know there, there are like, you know, support groups for children of Holocaust survivors. I never participated in any of them because I didn't feel the need to do so. Because I felt like, well, I'm not one of the, I'm not a Holocaust survivor. I'm a child of one, but I'm not one of them. And so I didn't, I didn't pursue that. And I also didn't want to wallow in that because it wasn't my experience. It was my parents' experience. I respect it. I honor it. And I, and I, I pay reverence to it, but it wasn't mine. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great lesson. I think we all have some version, something, right? Everybody's 
everybody's been through something and everybody's family has been through something. And obviously to varying degrees, I, what I really resonate for me and what you just shared is my, an experience I recently had with my grandfather, he's been passed for 10 years, but I had like a spiritual experience with him. And it was about, my grandfather was a depression, was, you know, a child of the depression and uh, went to world fight in World War II as a 20 year old and um, some, somewhere around these ages and grew up to be very, very successful. But all of his success was built on the back of the world's always on the verge of falling apart and there's never enough, never enough money, never enough safety, right? There's all, it's always, there's always scarcity. Now he was able to use fear and scarcity to fuel success, Mm -hmm. but at the price of a lot of unhappiness and a lot of worry. And I saw that get passed down from him to my mom. And my dad has that also, but from different reasons, growing up in a completely different way. And I'm looking at their lives and I'm looking at how much joy they missed out on mm. because of the fears that the past created. Yeah. And while I can learn a lot from their resilience, their hard work, their determination, their discipline, right? All these different things that they also got from that. I also go, man, I do not want to take that. I don't want to have that, that, uh, cultural ancestral kind of ties, like bonds connected to me. And I don't want to pass that to my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't want my kids having fear of not enough money or the world's always going to fall apart or something bad's about to happen. And so how do I practice shifting that like out, out of that, mm-hmm. right? That those things are always a possibility, but I can create the life I want, not from fear, but from maybe joy or love or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I hear that too, right? A lot of, um, I think Holocaust, the, the legacy of Holocaust survivors and their families is similar to that also, right? Bad things are going to happen. You got to like be paying attention to like the evil that's around the corner, um, and, and that can strip us of a lot of, a lot of our joy. I agree with you 100%. You hit upon something, uh, which I will just succinctly try to say, and that is, it's the difference between the mindset of scarcity versus the mindset of abundance. Mm-hmm. You operate from the mindset of scarcity, like, you know, like my parents did, uh, and for good reasons, you know, they had that, those horrible experiences, people from the depression and their descendants operating from that mindset of scarcity, you're always going to think, oh, well, you know, there's never, like you were saying, never enough, never this, never that, never that. And you miss out on so much joy. Operating from the mindset of abundance, when where you know that everything is going to be fine. It's just going to be fine. And you can't worry about all that other stuff. You know, I just had my annual physical this morning and I was like, you know, I've been on blood pressure medication for a long time. And I looked at my blood pressure and I said, my God, I've never not been that low since I was like 20 years old. <laughs> and I looked at it and said, yes, that's great. <laughs> but even in your, even in your, everything's going to be fine. It's like the, come brings me back to when you got laid off or fired from your job. Yeah. Things aren't always fine in the moment, not. but, and they're not, and I can't say they're always fine for everyone, yeah. but I'm talking to someone. I'm talking to you and you're someone who they are always fine. You, they always find the way back. You always get a lesson or become better or stronger from it. 
And I think that people listening to podcasts, right? People that are listening to this are not starving, likely don't have a home, right? They're, they have their foundational needs met, which I think is important. And if you have your foundational needs yet met, I think often we can look at the biggest challenges we face are often things that train us to help us level up and ultimately work out for us. But in the moment, they seem really challenging and really difficult. I agree. I agree. Michael, uh, thank you so much for um, your, you know, your, your vulnerability, your, your openness, your willingness to share, sharing with us your life, the life you and your, your husband share, uh, your dogs, your, your family history. Um, I love hearing about the like success and the arts and like where you kind of like put your, your, your own money on the line and your butt on the line for things that you really believe in. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. It's, it really speaks to like shooting your shot and sometimes you miss your shot and sometimes you make it, but you keep doing it because of a passion and a desire. Um, and thanks for being really real too about what is challenging you. I think the idea of I don't have enough support or I have a lot of worries about the future is a really common thing. And often when we look at people right from the outside, someone might be looking at you and going, well, look at this guy. He's investing in all this stuff. Life is great. He's moving to Spain. And yet you're having the same concerns and the same worries that all of us do in similar situations. Um, so thanks for, for being you know human with us right there and sharing all that with us. For having me on here, it's been my absolute honor and joy to have these conversations with you, Alex. And yeah, it was, uh, you actually elicited a lot of stuff from me, a lot of good stuff. And um, yeah, I don't have a problem talking about my history and my challenges, but you helped me verbalize them in a way that actually it became very clear and succinct. So Thanks. Thanks again. And it has been my absolute joy having this conversation with you. Thanks, Michael. Um, if people want to find out more about you, maybe work with you or just, or just, you know, buy your book when, you know, any of your books, uh, they can go to your, I'm assuming they can go to your website. That would be like the best place eventually. Go to my website. Um, they can email me at M, M. Markowitz. I don't know if they can see my name, but the way it's spelled, but it's M. Markowitz at, and here's the, here's the tongue twister. It's F as in Frank, E-U-R, Orlando.com. That's the name of my CPA firm. We will, uh, so people don't have to be confused by that. We'll put it all in the show notes, your your website, that information. Um, thanks again and for- My media kit, my media kit. We will, we will, we'll provide everything for what everyone wants. Uh, they can see, so they can find out about your movie. They'll have access to your LinkedIn and everything. Michael, thanks again. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. Um, and absolute pleasure. As I, as I say at the end of these episodes, you know, if, if you're as a listener, if you know someone who, if you or someone, you know, would be a great guest for playing with problems, reach out to me at Alex at the dreammason.com. Please share this episode as you never know who it might help and who it might support, whose life it might change. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Playing With Problems. I'm so grateful to you and our guests who are willing to come on and talk about and share so vulnerably. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe and leave us a review. And if you're a successful person who thinks you have a challenge or problem that you wanna come on this show and talk about, or if you're a successful person and you feel like a more intimate, personal one-on-one -on -one conversation is more 
right for you, please reach out to playingwithproblems at thedreammason.com. Thank you for listening to Playing With Problems.